Hello and welcome back to the Proud to be Queer podcast with me, your host, Steve Keith. Today's guest is inclusivity champion Sue Pascoe. Sue is a successful business leader, management consultant and chartered accountant with extensive business and life experience. Sue runs her own consultancy business focused on helping businesses become more inclusive and speaks widely on the topic of inclusion with multiple media appearances and corporate speaking engagements. She's listed in the 2019 PwC 50 Inspirational People. Sue is also a trained NED by the ICAW and a speaker on inclusion for them. She's a trained CEO by the School for CEOs and one of their leadership podcast contributors. Sue is also a trustee of one of the largest and oldest sexual health and LGBT plus charities based in Yorkshire. So I have today's guest with me. Hello, Sue. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Lovely to be with you. Lovely to have you with us. Would you like to start by giving us a little bit of introduction to yourself, please? Well, my name's Sue. Um, She, her pronouns. Um, I like to think of myself as a woman with a trans past. Um, Some time ago, I did a little article and I came up with this quote that personifies my life today impossible is nothing at all life is full of possibilities and is what you make it we start with nothing we end with nothing in between is our magic I'm 62 now and my life started in a really horrible way Um, and one parent family uh, my mum physically and sexually abused me Um, there was conversion therapy involved it was really horrible Um, and let's not go into that Uh, it was a really poverty um, environment Um, I had gender struggles and I also had a variation in sex characteristics. Um, People wouldn't listen to what I was saying. Um, They ignored what I was trying to tell them about my inner feelings. I went to school and I was bullied. I was described as the queer puff. Um, and it was, it was horrible. And I responded to that um, by trying to be secret by trying to become more masculine, to hide my femininity, um, and also to try to be better than others. Um, So I 
became captain of this and captain of the other, um, excelled at school because that was where I could be somebody because mm. I was nobody. Right, okay. Me. And this duality of not being able to be me constantly um, was such a problem in my life. And so I developed this, this mask, this way of being that protected me inside. Sue has been there all the time. Um, the, the science is really clear now that, that we're born trans, the same mm. as gay. Um, how we deal with that in our own personal circumstances, in our own relationships, with our own, within our own social context, it, it is up to us as individuals. Um, but it, there's a biological reality that we each have, and mine included a, both um, visible and non-visible variations in sex characteristics. And that led to innate feelings, um, this innate sense um, of femininity. Um, I first told my mum that I felt that I was a girl and not a boy when I was five years old. Right, okay. When I was six, after a year of being beaten up for keeping on selling my mum this, my mum tried to crucify me because God would tell me, would show me that I was a boy. Mm -hmm. um, so there was really extreme stuff that happened in my life. Yeah. Um, but in an odd way, that extreme way in which my mum treated me also created the opposite um, in that she'd been so awful to me. She then compensated the other way. Um, and so after that event, she uh, helped dress me as a girl. And so I would go to school as a boy mm -hmm. uh, and come home and she would help dress me as a girl. She named me Sue. Mm -hmm. Sue. And for many years, whilst we lived um, then in Nottingham, um, I would live this little bit of a dual life and um, Sue was my safe place. Um, and, but my mum was, um, also a raging alcoholic, so whenever she got drunk and I was in boy mode, I'd get beaten up. Um, and it was not a nice place and not a nice way of growing up. And um, wind that forward. Um, uh, I left home um, 
left school at 16, went went off and ended up joining um, an organisation called Arthur Anderson after I'd been to university. Um, at university, I also did the same um, where I, um, <coughs> excuse me, where I would, whilst I'm living in a flat on my own, I would go just to uni in boy, in manhood mode, and but on my own, I would um, dress and live as as a woman um, and I went to see um, a therapist when I was 20 and was determined that I was going to get a sex change as those words were the right words then mm -hmm. and I got a therapist to um, was a conversion therapist, um, and and I blanked out much of what happened. It was horrible. Um, it made me ashamed of who I was, um, how I lived, um, and, and did things that are not nice. Um, and so I went into the world as best I could, um, completely messed up in my head as to who I was as a person, um, ashamed of Sue, ashamed of me. Um, and yet by this time I'd built this mask of how I presented to the world. And so even though I was crying and desperate inside, I could put to the world a face that other people would see as very strong yeah. and capable and efficient. And, and I got on with my life whilst I'd got these in a turmoil. And, and then I met somebody um, who was lovely in my life. Um, and uh, we got married and I got a big job and got to the top of my profession. And in many ways, I had an amazing life. Um, and I've got two amazing boys and a granddaughter and I, I can't not that life it gave me so much and yet I used to go to to work and I used to think today is the day they're going to find me out that it's not me that's coming to work mm. and and eventually that was getting more and more problematic that this facade that I was putting to the world was getting harder and harder to hold together. Mm. And harder and harder to, to keep my promise 
that I'd given to my um, to my partner um, when our first child was born. That um, I would keep Sue uh, locked up um, because my partner had known about Sue before we got married. Because I disclosed Sue and what had happened before, I was was very honourable in doing that. Um, and but I, I couldn't hold it any longer. I had twenty odd years. I told um, Sue inside, and she had to come out. Mm. My life was at stake if she didn't come out. And uh, one Christmas I said, uh, I have to have Sue back in my life. Um, and sadly that prompted a divorce. Um, I was also, um, I'd, I'd contracted um, encephalitis um, from a mosquito bite in Bangalore um, and I was ill with encephalitis. I got my gender troubles and divorce came and I had a, I had a mini life collapse. Um, and yet I came through all of that and Today, I'm authentic to myself, to the world around me. My values are congruent in the way that I live my life and how I face the world in everything that I do. Mm -hmm. And I've mentally transitioned I've physically transitioned, I've socially transitioned, and perhaps the most powerful moment in my life was about three years after I'd had my gender reassignment surgery. Okay. I looked into the mirror and I looked into my soul through the eyes that were looking back at me in the mirror. And I saw Sue looking back at me. And I'm going to go now. Um, <laughs> Take your time. Thank you for sharing. And that, that was my magic moment because that was the moment that I realised that actually... I'd gone through all of this and I was out the other side and Sue was still here and she was living and my soul was pure and that was beautiful. And even if I'd have died on that operating theatre and I just had one, one day 
it would have been worth it. But I've now had lots of days. I, I went to India for my general reassignment surgery, 8th of March, 2015. So there's many years now and I'm free and Sue's free. And today I believe in personal freedom and equality of the opportunity to succeed. And I've had that opportunity. And it's the opportunity not only to succeed in my life as a former partner in PwC, but more importantly, I've had the opportunity to succeed in finding myself. And that's the most important prize I've ever had in my life. It's far more important than any amount of money in my bank account that yeah. I've ever had, is that I found myself. Yeah. That's wonderful. I mean, firstly, again, thank you very much for sharing that. So I was welling up a little bit there towards the end as well. I mean, what a journey you've been through there. I mean, there's there's pieces there from when, before we started recording, kind of of us chatting, of kind of similarities in the way kind of we've hidden parts of ourselves and then gone through that journey there as well. I'm, I'm hearing you speaking and thinking about others I've um, spoken to that identify with the LGBTQ plus community that have talked about having a mask that's slowly started to slip away, that's kind of popping into my head there as well. Um, and what great joy there as well to be at that point where you're, you're who you want to be. And, and also as well, if, you, if you're happy to share, um, before we hit record as well, you mentioned kind of your local community and how that they've embraced you. It, it's, it's really interesting. I, I, at, at, at first, I hid myself away yeah uh, and some people stuck with me all the way through um and some people went away that some stuck with me and then slowly i started venturing out and i remember that I, I moved out of my own old home to a village only a few miles away from where I was living before. And, and I went to the local church, many of whom knew me in my former male self. And I thought, oh, I really don't know how this is going to go down. Will, will I get rejected? Um, and I, and I went to church, and first, many people didn't know who I was, which I thought was quite amusing first. Um, I, I just went along as this new person going to church, didn't say anything, just enjoyed 
chatting away with everybody, mm -hmm. and having a cup of tea and a cake. Um, and then I thought, well, I better better disclose who I am, really. It's only fair. Um, and nobody batted an eyelid. And I thought, okay, okay, well, I better better have a chat with my the the, the priest and uh -huh. um and so I, I I did and she didn't bat an eyelid at all. Um and 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 then 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 I found out that um the church warden in the other church in the benefice was a 70 year old trans woman. I wasn't even the first. You know. <laughs> um, and so so it, it, it all became, oh, oh, all right. So, you know, it, it just wasn't a problem. Um, then, and, and people just treated me really nicely. Um, and I, th there was just no hint of anything. It was just, well, Sue Sue. Mm -hmm. You know, that, 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 and, 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 it, and it's really interesting that um, anybody who sees me and sees me for the first time as Sue just treats me as Sue, a woman that's in her middle years, and that's exactly how I get treated. Yeah. I don't treated as some trans woman with all this baggage and history. I, I just don't. You know, I, I'm, I'm now in my third year as the chair of the Conservative Women's Organisation in North and East Yorkshire. And, and how did that happen? You know, it, it, and, you know, and I got elected into that position and, mm. and I mean, I, it's, it's just not an issue. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I, I don't live my transness, if you want, if we call it that. Mm -hmm. it, you know, in, in, the, in a context, I do. You know, if I go to my support groups, then I do. But I don't walk around with trans written on my head. Yeah. Uh, um, because that's why I describe myself as a woman with a trans past. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, it's important to me that I'm living a life as Sue. This is who I am, Sue. And I want people to interact with me as Sue, not Sue the trans person. No, it's, it's irrelevant that my background is as trans. It's like saying, Sue the accountant. So mm -hmm. I will come to you as the accountant. No, I'm Sue. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I happen to be, have a trans past, I happen to be an accountant, I happen to love horses. Happen, there's a whole heap of things that I relate to, but I'm first and foremost Sue. That's who I want you to relate to, Sue. Yeah. And I relate to you as whoever you are. Um, 
and that's the important thing for me. Um, and you know, everybody. I try really, really hard to treat everybody, no matter who they are, from the salt of the earth to the lords and ladies, with respect and dignity, because mm. they deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying there. And we do have a tendency as society, don't we, to put people into boxes and classify them as certain things, either through the profession that they do, through their sexuality, through the colour of their skin. And, and whether or not we vocalise that or not, we're subconsciously doing it, aren't we? And so it's it's definitely something that we all need to be more mindful of. Yeah, I'm not the only trans in the village, you know. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> Although yeah. I'm, you know what I mean. You know, I know. I yeah. yeah. Other people um, uh, uh, have as their background what they do in the their houses. You know, I, I mean, it's it's just not relevant to me. And um, if they want to tell me, then that's fine. Um, yeah. But you know, I I I I try really hard to treat people as human beings and, and try to love them as human beings. And, and as a result, they love me back. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, it's, even when people put hate my way, I try really, really hard not to respond. And, and I, I try to put love back. It's, a, it's amazing how if, if you go back with a loving sentiment, how it diffuses the hate. Um, and if you go back with hate, all it does is just spiral up. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally agree with that. Moving on to, and thank you again for kind of sharing that piece of with your kind of personal story there. Some of the things that I've seen um, when it comes to you and, and your work are some of the articles that you've written and you've got, you share quite rightly, in my opinion, your opinions on the current landscape when it comes to trans in the UK. Would you like to go into a little bit more detail about that for the listeners? It doesn't matter whatever your political persuasion, whatever your religious conviction or non-religious conviction, what's clear is happening all over the world at the moment is a strategy to attack our rights as LGBT folk, which is to separate off T as the most easy to attack part of the community mm -hmm. um, to then put bi folk back in the closet to then erase gay and lesbian folk then to chip away slowly at individual rights and then to push back rights in general that's the strategy it is coming out of the US it then went into Europe and it's now very firmly in the UK. It's across all the political parties um, and it is well-funded um, and 
it is got the media behind it and it is boosted by clickbait controversy. And it's really awful what's happening. Um, that's not to say that there aren't great people uh, in all the political parties that are not, are not standing up as our allies, mm -hmm. that there aren't the same allies that are across all the businesses and community organisations and charitable organisations who are not fully aware of what's going off and are standing in solidarity with us. Um, but I've not seen anything like this in my lifetime. I mean, I lived through the 80s and there were similar things happening then, but we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. We didn't have the boosting of this on a global scale. And, and because of that, this, everything gets coordinated, it gets boosted, it gets um, elevated and accelerated in, in days, you can have a message coming out of the US or out of the UK. Um, you can get a swimmer in the US um, being used to drive hate in the UK that would never have happened in the 80s yeah. um, and vice versa. And it is, it is so toxic what is happening at the moment um, that these are not evidence-based debates. Uh, they're full of misinformation. Politics has got into our healthcare. Um, trans peoples are, are been trying to be erased through denial of healthcare both of children and of adults, the length of time for trans people to get support is going into multiple years, three, five years, yeah. if not longer. Um, the, the time for um, uh, a child who's referred to the Gender Identity Development Services um, for children is now three and a half years. So if, if this debate about puberty blockers is just um, a mute point, if somebody gets referred at age, let's say 11, mm -hmm. and it's a year away, well, they've already gone through puberty by the time they're seen. So it's, it's totally irrelevant whether you believe in puberty blockers or not. They've gone through puberty. And um, so it's... And the, the debates that are happening in the US are leaching into the UK. And the extremeness of the, and the toxicity of the debate are, are just, is just awful. No longer are we um, talking in moderation 
with reconciliation, with evidence, um, and it's and it's leaching fully into full-on homophobia, mm-hmm. um, and my only way of countering that is with three things love evidence and solidarity and i i think it has got to the point now where we have to come together uh, wherever we are in society and to say enough is enough and the numbers are on our side. You know, if we if we see what's happening in terms of societal change, I, I look to the young now. I, I, I often say to my friends, the cavalry's coming. Um that's you know, a great way of putting it. I would completely agree with that as well. You know, I, I'm 62, but you know, the 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 young just don't see this as an issue. It doesn't even compute. Yeah. Um, and it, so the cavalry's coming. I'm looking forward to them arriving <laughs> with their horns blowing. Definitely. I, I mean, it was it was really um, great to see the. Um, protests that were happening um, a few weeks ago down in London um, and just the sheer the numbers of people and the resurgence of things like um, I think it was Trans Pride that was announced a couple of weeks ago wasn't it for the for July for the week after the main Pride event celebrating the, the 50th anniversary and and it, and it comes back to I guess why why this podcast exists and why the queer student awards that I created are, are really important because there's so much I see it and I was speaking to one of the judges yesterday actually and she was saying how she's halfway through judging the entries that she's looking at so far and for one of the categories she's just finding so much happiness and joy in what she's reading of what these young people are doing um, and I remember um, kind of kind of little sparks within the classroom that I used to teach and I've seen young people and just thinking about you're going to go on to do amazing things and it's great to see these things starting to come to fruition and being channeled positively um, to really um, support change and when I say support change I mean change in terms of perceptions because there's I think that's lad that's a big part of the challenge at the moment it's as you were saying, it's what the information that we're being fed and we're consuming. There's a big role in how that that misinformation and making sure, as you're saying, evidence there that everything is evidence based and fact based. Um, people, we we live in the world. People are always going to have opinions, but if you've got in my opinion, my opinion is that if you've got an opinion, you need to be able to back it up. And if you're backing it up with absolute rubbish, then what's the point? Anyway. I agree. Right, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Sue, and for joining me on the podcast. I've really enjoyed listening to you share 
your personal story and and it's just it's really great to to hear that um and I I would I, I think what I learn a lot when I'm learning as an ally from within the LGBTQ plus community the more I speak to people who identify with the transgender part of our community the more that we speak to and understand the experiences that you've gone through and how they've shaped you as a person, the more that we can support you. So, um, Thank you. Someone asked me the other day what it means to be a woman. And I replied, love, freedom, happiness, empathy, connection with the world and to be at peace. Pretty special, really. What a great way to finish the podcast. Thank you so much, Sue. And um, for everybody listening, thank you for joining. Um, I'm going to pop the links to those articles I mentioned that Sue's authored um, in the show notes. And we'll be back uh, next week with another guest on Proud to be Queer. Thanks for listening. 